Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. It's your 12 days of Spawnmas. Spawn has taken over for 12 days of the Comic Source, at least for some of the episodes. Uh, and we're going to be talking as we count down to Christmas, 12 days before Christmas, we're going to be talking about Spawn. A couple of reasons we're doing this. I have actually never read all the issues of Spawn. As you may or may not be aware, it's the longest running independent comic ever as of issue 300. Uh, and a lot of this is driven by the fact that Todd McFarlane is trying to start his own sort of superhero universe, and it's it's rooted in Spawn because that's what Todd McFarlane Productions has done, uh, you know, as a comic for decades now. And he wants it to kind of grow organically. Right now, we have the King Spawn series, we have the Gunslinger Spawn series, you have the Scorch series, and all these characters are are sort of tangential to Spawn and who he is and the war between heaven and hell and all that. But I think what McFarlane is hoping is that organically over time, as he brings in other creators, they're going to create heroes and whatnot that are sort of not necessarily tangential to spawn. And it'll sort of organically grow whether or not that's actually going to work. I, I really don't have any idea, uh, but I find it, I, I do find it interesting. And for me, spawn, you know, I, I was on board at first for like the first, I don't know, 30 issues or so. And I, I just kind of fell away from it as, as I wasn't as interested in comics when I was going to college and whatnot. Um, but it was always in the back of my mind. As, as a comic fan, you're always aware of Spawn. Todd McFarlane is a, a larger-than-life presence, and I think a lot of it has to do with the visuals, right? I mean, that's how McFarlane made his name, certainly over at Marvel with Incredible Hulk, and then moving on to Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, where most people know he helped co-create Venom, and then started writing himself. He wanted to be a storyteller. He wanted to be a writer on the, the uh, Spider-Man title, the adjectiveless Spider-Man title. Then eventually jumped ship, went to Image, created Spawn. And then, you know, there's the the critical sort of uh, feedback from people to say, well, the guy can't really write. His Spider-Man run wasn't very good in terms of writing. Still visually great, but yeah, where's the real story? Can this guy actually tell a story? Then, you know, he jumps over to Image, he starts Spawn and, he writes it, he draws it, he inks it, uh, he does everything but coloring and uh, letters at first, and then he gets other people to come in, and there's all those early days of image, growing pains, things being late. They you know, they were having movie deals and taking all these meetings, and the money was pouring in, and so the, I feel like sort of the hunger wasn't there. But yet throughout it all, he kept Spawn going. So there's something to be said <laughs> for the institution of Spawn. Like I said, I've never read all, all of Spawn. I think it's time. And so... I'm announcing it right here for the first time you're hearing it. All of next year, it's going to be daily spawn. Basically, every day we're going to release uh, an issue or an episode <laughs> that's going to talk about an issue of spawn. So you're ambitious. First... Yeah, yeah. Why not? Right. Let's go back to, to Comic Source daily. Uh, so we're releasing the first uh, 12 issues here on this uh, 12 days of, of the Comic Source. And then the first of the year, we'll pick up with issue number 13. And we will uh, continue from there. So I'll talk a little bit more about the origins of Spawn uh, in a minute. But I want to give uh, Rocky and our uh, guest host, Jake, who's joining us for the first time, who wrote a really interesting article that I read years ago. And I've always been curious about his sort of opinions on Spawn, about sort of the redemption of, of Spawn and, and how it's had its ups and downs over the years. So I'll give each of these guys a chance to, to talk a little bit about their impressions of Spawn, who's spawn is for them uh then i'll talk a little bit about the technical details of spawn in terms of publishing history and then we'll dive into issue one so uh i'll kick it over to you rocky 
I know you were on board at first and enjoyed it right when it was coming off the rack, just like me. And then yeah. it similarly fell off, right? I did. I, I admit, I've only come back to Spawn because of King Spawn and because of the 300th issue. I was in New York City uh, at, in October of 2019 for the New York Comic Con. And I was there. I had an opportunity. <laughs> Todd McFarlane was like 20 feet away from me. I could have bought in a silver, a, I could have bought in a silver edition, gold edition, 300th issue. I never did. Uh, and of course, that was a mistake. Immediately by the end of the con, it was worth three, four, five hundred dollars for the gold, for the gold edition of the three hundred issue of Spawn. And wow, what an event! Todd McFarlane is amazing. And you know, you know, kudos to him. You know, I mean, look, I, I stopped collecting Spawn. I think at issue twelve, a couple issues after. I think I think and and. J- Angelina or Angela? Angela, Angela appeared yeah. in issue. Angela appeared in issue nine, and frankly, I paid more attention to the lawsuit between Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman than I did to to the actual Spawn comic until just recently. Uh, so I, I I welcome sort of I actually I, it surprised me, and we'll get into it how much I enjoyed rereading these uh, these first couple issues again. Uh, were actually actually better than I remember, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm impressed. And uh, and I did have a, a gander at uh, uh, Jake's uh, article there, so I'm I'm really curious to hear Jake's perspective on things. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Um, the fact that Todd McFarlane, more than anything, the guy's a go getter. He's a hustler. He's in a lot of ways a hype man. You know, much like Stan Lee was back in the day. Maybe the quality and and the uh, you know, he's not breaking new ground. He's sort of standing on the, the shoulders of giants, which is sort of what you expect creatives to do, you know, to, to build on what has come before. And certainly his art work so dynamic back then. And, and even now, you know, he doesn't draw, uh, you know, every every page like he used to back then. But, yeah, uh, it's not surprising to me that, you know, just a few days after that silver and gold edition of that 300 issue of 300th issue, if I can talk of spawn came out <laughs> that it would already be worth hundreds of dollars. I mean, yeah. um, I, I, I speculated on, on spawn. So we know Todd McFarlane, not only does he have the spawn comic and spawn movie and the spawn cartoon, he spawn was, uh, a character he wanted to see as an action figure. And when he couldn't find a, a toy company that would produce it to the quality that he wanted, he went into business for himself, creating his own toys. And then that expanded far beyond Spawn toys. There are a lot more McFarlane non-Spawn action figures and toys than there are Spawn action figures. Um, and so early in the pandemic, uh, you know, he, he had already been planning it and maybe he wouldn't have had he known the pandemic was going to hit. But they did a special edition re-release of the very first editions of the Spawn action figure. And I ended up bidding on that just because I knew with the pandemic having started, there were going to be people that Unfortunately, we're going to be able to afford it at the time because maybe they got laid off because of the pandemic or whatnot. And so I knew I would I would make money on it. And sure enough, so I bought the three pack, and I think the I think it was like one hundred twenty five dollars on Kickstarter for that tier. And now you go on eBay, and that three packs goes for like six hundred bucks. So um, yeah, you as as much as Spawn went through a sort of a cold spell um, in in terms of the comics at times. Uh, McFarlane has always had a rabid, very loyal fan base. Um, so, uh, I think you, we can count on that and, and yeah, well, that's one of the things I'm interested to see as we go through, or at least as I go through, you know, these guys may or may not join me for a particular issue here or there. Um, but certainly I'm going to be here for every, uh, every issue. And that's what I'm curious about. Like as, as the popularity of the Spawn comic 
ebbed and flowed, how how was the quality? Like, was there a reason it was it was falling off? Was there a reason that people weren't buying it, or you know, is it just the numbers are better now because it, it reached three hundred? It's a record breaking. McFarland's making a little more noise. Social media, that that sort of thing as well, is something that I wanna I wanna talk about. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's turn it over to Jake here and kind of get uh, his thoughts. Like, who spawned to you, Jake? Why did you decide to write the article? Uh, I'm kind of curious what your perspective on spawn is. Okay, but first, let me properly introduce myself. My name is Jake Palermo. I'm a writer at the comic review website Monkeys Fighting Robots. <laughs> which is where these guys found the article. I also yep. run on my own blog called gutternot.net just for just to get it out there. As for why I wrote that piece on Spawn, well, partly because after Spawn's appearance in Mortal in the recent Mortal Kombat video game as well as the as well as a number of, of issues like the 300th one coming out, I thought I'd just dive into to what made Spawn a good character. Such an an influential character, and although the, while the stories behind a, a lot of the behind the scenes were were good, there were also I could also find a lot of things reasons why people start hard to really like Spawn after a while. While the first initial issues were not exactly the the best, if anything, the even just this this issue of Spawn that on display is is pretty much trying to imitate the success of the Dark Knight Returns and its pulpy feel to it. But but there was also but over time there came to be signed something about McFarland's change in creative creative styles, not just in designs or or presentation, but what people just decided to take away from it, especially have, having watched all. All the seasons of the HBO show. show. For for one thing, the the horror angle really made made Spawn a very sympathetic and an empathetic character to to a degree. It for one thing, it really brings out him him as somebody who's as a rather relatable character to some degree. No, he's a soldier who had been through. There were a lot of traumatic events, and he hasn't quite recovered from it. Coming back from the dead in a body that that was that's that's barely even his is going to be one thing, especially after her coming back and essentially losing just about everything, everything with what he could and couldn't do in his life. For, and I see you're and I see you're moving down a bit. Huh? Logo and everything that made that made the look so iconic. So have you, Jake? Have you read uh, like all the issues? Not all of them, partly because uh, some of them have been some of them have been retconned, and some of them start to drudge a bit. Like, gotcha. like in this, like in the article I mentioned, when when Spawn became someone other than else. Simmons for a bit. Some some parts were good. Some weren't. As, I didn't find as compelling as some other parts. But I'm sure there was always that. And I remember what you guys said about how some 
um, things about how you couldn't always commit to Spawn for, for different reasons. I think some of the, the issues that that McFarlane allowed to gave other writers responsibilities to, even if just really allowed him to gain greater insights and better storytelling, better characterizations too, too, rather than just make characters a bit, rather than just put characters in fancy outfits together and put them in, in big action scenes. I mean, like I said, the TV show foregoes a lot of the the action, including Spawn's battle with Overkill, and and other characters like like Young Blood's uh, Chapel. It prov- it provided him look looking much more like a monster, but also a bit more like the more sympathetic, kind of like the Universal monsters, really. Someone who who despite his mo- who despite his terrifying appearance. Isn't exactly can still find something to connect to the re, to the audience through. Yeah, that, that I think that's what's interesting. Um, and again, you know, you know, we can talk about the the success or, or the 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 skill of of Todd McFarlane as a as a writer. You know, is is this actually a good story in terms of when it was written back in the nineties? when comics were a little less sophisticated, we would say the average comic, um, maybe not quite as aimed at an adult audience as, as comics are now. How does it stand up over the test of time? He, McFarlane did lean into some pretty classic tropes. Uh, and I think for the most part, Spawn number one works, right? We're, we're thrown in right in the middle of the story, like, right, to get into the first issue. It, it's narrated by, by Spawn himself. And what I find interesting is, you know, Jake mentioned that this Dark Knight returns this sort of gothic feel. Uh, and, and this is McFarlane, remember, at the height of his popularity, leaving Spider-Man, always leave them wanting more. People did not want him to leave Marvel. They didn't want him to leave Spider-Man. He, he was such a dynamic penciler. But I remember, first of all, seeing the image, you know, you, 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 we were, you were hearing about it for months. And then you see that cover and it's McFarlane and everybody bought McFarlane comics back then, just like everybody bought Rob Liefeld comics, even if they won't admit it now. Um, but I mean, <laughs> even starting with the cover and the incredible color work and how it just jumped off the page and this was something new and it was a mystery and there wasn't social media. There wasn't all this, there weren't all, uh, internet wasn't a thing, you know, there wasn't all this hype where before the character even came out, you knew everything about him. And the Todd McFarlane had done all these interviews. And, you know, nowadays it's kind of hard to be surprised almost, even when a new character is coming out, you know, look at people like punchline or Ghostmaker from DC that recently came out that Rocky and I have talked about on the DC spotlights where we know so much about these characters and who they're supposed to be before the comic ever even comes out. That wasn't the case. This was a mystery. And then when you open it up and you saw McFarlane's artwork, but it wasn't, it wasn't the Spider-Man art. It was a little darker. It was a little grittier. You could tell he was trying to, to do something different. He was trying to uh, establish a mood and a, and a tone. And, and, you know, obviously the, the idea of it being, being very gothic with spires and skylines and, you know, dark colors, it, it very much worked. And if, you, if you're watching us on YouTube, Rocky's going to scroll down a little bit and we're going to get this sort of esoteric page um, after the talking news heads, which we'll talk, we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, that page right there where 
you're getting these sort of flashbacks. And again, uh, Spawn is narrating, but these, if you look at this particular page, uh, and if you're following along with us with your own book, because you're just listening to the podcast, it's the nine panel page where Jason Wynn is in the center panel up on the top. The, The center panel is the American flag. There's a skull in the bottom left. Uh, and it alternates between purple colored panels and sort of orangish yellow colored panels. So this artwork, this is nowhere near as detailed as people had come to to know that McFarland's artwork would be. But it's purposeful because there is detail where it needs to be, like in the skull, teeth and whatnot. But the backgrounds are very light. Uh, it, it's, it's a different aesthetic that McFarland was going for, I think, trying to establish somewhat of uh, a sense of mystery, right? And, and that that sort of sense of mystery of of who Spawn was. If Spawn had, it comes out nowadays, there's no way we find out as much about him as fast as we did in this particular issue. Because as as much as it takes Al Simmons a few issues to sort of learn who he is, it the pacing moves fast compared to what it would be nowadays. And we were just talking about Red X not too long ago and how that mystery's been dragged out forever. Um, but here, yes, it is a mystery in the first issue. We learn that whoever this guy is, Spawn, made some deal. Um, it feels like he got double-crossed. His memories are missing. He has all this power. There's a 9999 uh, graphic that shows up that, that we notice drops down whenever Spawn uses his powers. So there's, a, there's so many things that he does in this first issue that, again aren't necessarily original, but he brings that McFarlane flair to it. And as uh, as you continue to scroll uh, for me, Rocky, we, you get to the page where ultimately it's this big splash page. Keep going. It's this big splash page of Spawn where, you know, we got to look at him on the cover. But when you get this big splash page of, of Spawn um, where he's, for the first time you kind of see him, you see the chains, you see... Uh, you know, him standing on, on a ledge. And that's what people were waiting for, right? When you're first reading this book, this is why people bought it because of the McFarlane art. And I know there were some people that gave it a bad time when it came out. You know, there were people that, that poo-pooed it before it even came out because they said, well, why, why the hell am I going to read something Todd McFarlane wrote? He can't write. I tried to write his, uh, well, I tried to read his, his Spider-Man stuff and it wasn't any good. I, I just want to... I just want to interject at this point because uh, I thought that Todd McFarlane at the time was was not a very good writer because because of his Spider-Man run. His Spider-Man was terrible. He drew it fantastically, but his Spider-Man stories were awful. They were they were they were terribly paced. They they, they read terribly. But this Spawn, this reads very good. These first two issues read very good. Uh, I love the mystery. Uh, the, the way he does the nine panel grids, he just gives you snapshots, images of Al Simmons' life. Of course, we find out that he's Al Simmons, but he doesn't have his memory. We're curious as to what's going on. And at the time, the only reason readers had all the answers to the first four or five issues is because Todd McFarlane leaked the story. He, he, he There was so much advertising about Spawn, I remember. I remember more about the first issue. It surprises me how much is how much is not revealed in this first issue that I know about Spawn that I read in subsequent issues, but I know I, I knew before even I read the first issue. This sold 1.7 million copies when it debuted. This yep. was unreal. And and I don't think, I'm actually surprised at how 
Well, this story reads as an opening issue. There's mystery, there's gravitas, there's epic scenes, beautiful art that still stands up today. I mean, uh, maybe it's because we've been reading some uh, <laughs> some less than seller DC comics lately that, that I'm uh, I'm I, I'm uh, I'm singing its praises. But no, there's there's a reason why this is a good this is a classic story, and and even right up even with the whole idea with this particular deal with the devil that he has where. He, the more power he uses, the, the closer he gets to, to eventually going back to hell. So he's got to use his power conservatively. I thought that was an inspired idea back in the day. It was a twist on the, the, the traditional deal with the devil, which was somewhat cliche and tropey. But I like uh, McFarlane's spin on it. I just thought this was, as an opening issue, I don't think it's any surprise that this sold 1.7 million uh, copies. It, it, it's its bark was as good as, good as its bite. Yeah, but you you have to admit that the reason it sold what it sold had everything to do with McFarlane as a oh, as, a as artist. an artist. Yeah, more Certainly. more so than a, than a writer. Not not to say it doesn't it doesn't hold up because we're also introduced to Sam and Twitch, who are these interesting detective characters, you know, playing into this dark crime noir type story, and, and they're kind of the straight men. One of them straighter than the other in terms of of Twitch, <laughs> um, basically making fun or, or being very sort of st uh, satirical in the way he relates to Sam and, and making fun of him maybe without Sam even realizing. Uh, and then toward the end of the issue, we, we see that Al Simmons, despite him not knowing exactly who he is or what he did before his, um, his instincts to do the right thing, to be a hero, to stand up for the little guy are, are still there when he happens up upon uh, a woman who's being assaulted, about to be raped by this uh, gang of thugs in New York and, and, on takes matters into his own hands and beats the crap out of the the hoods and then has a, a bit of a, a memory flash like he does throughout a lot of the early issues where he remembers uh various things and uh, at this point he remembers he, he traded his soul for the chance to come back to see his wife uh, again and then the issue finishes off with a, a bit of a time jump so when we first saw the talking heads which is more than anything as much as the story stands up to the test of time and the artwork certainly does like rocky said um this idea of these talking heads one's a cnn reporter one's a, a kind of a local news reporter and one works for entertainment television i don't even know if mcfarland could get away with doing this now uh, <laughs> referencing real news channels um but it is it is kind of funny where we get you know the cnn sort of hard news aspect of what's going on in the city we get this local guy who's a bit of a uh, I don't know, an egotist, he, he comes across as uh, almost Rush Limbaugh-like. And then we get the entertainment or fashion sort of um, take from from uh, entertainment television. But it was an interesting way back in the day to, to do the five-year time jump. You know, uh, We learn about Al Simmons' death through the those little vignettes. It happened in 87. And then with this new uh, or second talking head page from 92, we learn that it's been five years since Simmons came back. And uh, again, he, he's remembering, hey, I, I had a wife. I loved her so much. I gave up my soul to come back and see her. But who's ever doing this and has given me these powers is obviously playing games because he took away my memory. And uh, Spawn also discovers when he takes off his mask for the first time that not only were his memories taken, but his identity, you know, he, he, he looks at best like uh like hamburger you know like um <laughs> i guess like ryan reynolds in in deadpool is kind of similar to to this look <laughs> yeah. where he, he looks like a burn victim uh, you know not anyone his his wife would recognize 
And then at the end of the issue on the final page, we uh, see for the first time the guy who's behind it. We don't know his name at this point, um, but but sort of the demon behind it who's who's laughing because he's uh, he's playing games. You know, he's he gave Spawn this power, uh, but clearly, what's the expression? You don't make a deal with the devil. Uh, and Al Simmons did just that. So you can look at it one of two ways. Like, man, how much do you have to love and worship your wife to, to make that deal with the devil to, to come back? Um, but in the end, why did you think it was ever going to work? So ultimately, Rocky's right. This does stand up incredibly well. I, I can't tell you how long it's been since I actually read this. Um, but I definitely enjoyed reading it again. Uh, and I do, you know, like Rocky said, 1.7 million. That was a lot back then in 92 when this came out in terms of it had been a while since any comics had sold a million. Um, and the other part of it was because it, because there were so many issues of this sold for the longest time, it didn't really have much value. Um, I think as recently as maybe 15 years ago, you could pick up an issue of spawn one for like five bucks. Every once in a while you'd come across them in dollar bins. I mean, I certainly remember going to comic shops in the, uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands and flipping through and yeah, you'd see their dollar boxes. You'd, you'd always see young blood. Number one, you'd always see wildcats. Number one, you'd see spawn. Number one, you can still find young blood and wildcats. Number one, dollar boxes. You cannot find spawn. Number one in dollar boxes uh, anymore. So uh, let's kick it over to Jake. Uh, Anything to add to what we've been saying in terms of specifics of the story, Jake? I can definitely confirm that what you guys say about surprises is pretty relevant. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, thanks to solicitations, like you mentioned, what what's Punchline and Ghostmaker kind of spoils the surprise. The only one I can think of it in recent times is when Elektra became Daredevil in Chip Zdarsky's run. Yeah. And, and this issue certainly makes a great first impression, especially when it comes to introductions of characters and and generally making a pulpy feel that it makes it feel like a, an artifact from its time. In fact, it makes it so influential that that the best place to afford, afford this story and 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 anything else that comes after it is best to be found in the in the spawn or origin trades I I own. Especially if you can especially if people can get lucky lucky and find them on bundle on bundle deals. But what what I got I got one question for you, Jake, that I'm kinda curious about because if you had to sum up the essence of spawn in a paragraph, I mean what would you say? Because I can, we all can say something about Superman and, and Batman and, and Wonder Woman, but you know, Spawn, I always think of Spawn as this sort of PTSD ridden soldier whose, whose mother, I mean, I mean, it's later revealed that Spawn's mother is a devil worshiper for God's sakes. <laughs> I mean, you could, uh, at least at one point, and so you could kind of see maybe his mother, I, I'm not sure if his mother made the deal or what have you, but I found it fascinating that the devil is so interested in Al Simmons. But what is it, uh, what is it that you think, uh, a, draws the reader to, to to spawn i mean what's his essence how would you describe the essence of the character or, or his or his, his central zeitgeist that uh resonates with readers i like to think that i like to think 
think without repeating what I just said before, that that spawns that a lot of what makes spawn as a relatable or even can, something that readers connect to is about how he deals with the difficulties of going through some traumatic experiences and the need to find some normalcy from that. That's why he was willing to so, go back to his wife so badly because. She was practically the only thing in his life that ever made any sense. It, like I said, like we, like we keep saying, this is somebody who, this is a soldier who has been through the, the worst of what life and the afterlife has thrown at him, and he, and despite coming out of it, he, it's not real. He didn't really come out of it unscathed. It's actually quite kind of comparable to the original pro, pro comics that inspired the, the movie by Brandon Lee. It's it's about somebody dealing with grief on a on a very fundamental level after losing just about everything and trying to build himself back up after after coming to terms with it all. Well, it's funny you mentioned the crow because when I think of uh, the crow, I think of 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 vengeance. I mean, vengeance underscored the crow. This is the crow is about an individual that came back from the dead because of his almost because of his driving hatred to get revenge. And then the moment he gets revenge and kills all his enemies, he sort of his soul recedes and he goes back to, I guess, back to heaven or hell. And I've always, I've always, I, I never really saw Spawn. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever saw Spawn as a, I guess he's vengeful, but he always seems to have more mercy. He seems to have a, a softer side to him that, that sort of underscores his darkness. But, uh, but, but mind you, I only remember the first 12 issues. So maybe he's changed. Has, has he changed? Is he more of a dark character or, or is he a, is he really, is he more Darth Vader than, than, is he more Sith than Jedi or like, what is he? <laughs> I'm not he's sure. Uh, he's definitely an anti-hero. That's that's to say the least. Just someone who came from a very dark place and hasn't doesn't have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But but he wants to be- believe that there's still some good left in and everything. Otherwise, well, what's the point of going through it all again? <laughs> yeah, uh, true. Yeah, so seven point or no, I'm sorry, one point seven million um, for Spawn number one, at least in May of 1992, it, it topped the charts um, back then. And and what's interesting is so it, you know Image was the public was technically the the publishing house, but it, remember when they started they didn't have infrastructure, so they actually were publishing through Malibu uh, when they first started, which I always find to be uh, to be interesting. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and from this popularity, like Jake mentioned, came a, a TV series on HBO that was uh, an animated cartoon that was very much aimed at sort of an, an older audience. Uh, eventually, we got the 1997 feature film starring Michael J. White. John Leguizamo played the Violator. There's some, well, there's not much controversy in terms of the critical reception of it, it, it sort of bombed. It didn't do well. Uh, and that's probably why it's taken so long for a reboot, uh, which McFarlane is, is executive producing. That one's going to start Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. So, I mean, he's been working on it for a long time, but they have not started filming yet, but hopefully uh, someday. But like I said, McFarlane is definitely a hype guy. He's a hype train. And 
uh, he's always hustled and spawn is, is his, you know, number one property and, and, you know, the, the toys and the other stuff, the peripheral stuff has always kept spawn sort of in the zeitgeist, even when the comic book wasn't selling really well. But again, part of the reason we're doing this is because I, I think that at least from what I've read and going back and rereading this and like, you know, Rocky intimated as well, there's a lot more to this than maybe people gave credit for back in the day. Um, and maybe in a way, McFarlane was a sort of a victim of his own success in terms of just how popular he was for his artwork, right? Like in 92, when this came out, McFarlane was the guy, you know, you could maybe make an argument for Jim Lee, but, but I remember, you know, thinking back then and, and Rocky, correct me if, if it was different where you were, but even back then, as much as people love Jim Lee, McFarlane was just a little bit higher up on the mountain. Yeah. In uh, my he, area, he was too. Yeah. Yeah. He was the guy, right? So when you have those sort of expectations of, hey, you are the best artist, were the expectations too high? Were, were, you know, for his writing skills? Like, you know, did people, you can't really expect somebody to be, just because he's the best comic artist, most popular, you know, not necessarily the same two things, uh, but the most popular writer that was doing this, these dynamic things, that doesn't necessarily mean that he can just, pick up a pencil and start writing stories that are going to be fantastic as well. There's a learning curve there. It's well, a skill also. It, and McFarland hadn't spent decades honing that skill the way that he had his artwork. Yeah, I would, I, I think it's worth noting I, in I've, I got the full collection of the, of the first spawn compendium digital. And there's a quote from Todd McFarlane that he gave in about two years after spawn, he had created spawn. And he basically admitted that he, he knows what the ending of spawn is. He says, I know how, I know how the story of spawn ends, but he, but he, the quote is such that he said that I hope I never have to tell that story. So he always had an ending to the Spawn story, but he hoped he never had to tell it because he wanted Spawn to end up like Superman and Batman and be a mythology that never ends. And so, because, you know, to become a creature of our folklore, so to speak. And that's exactly what Spawn's become. And so I find it ironic that whatever that story is that's, that Todd McFarlane had for the actual ending of Al Simmons, how this story ends, tragic or otherwise, he may never, I guess he'll never have to tell it because Spawn has in fact reached the popularity that he always dreamed of as a young boy when he created that first image of Spawn in 1977. <laughs> so it's good. It's, it's a good story. It's a good success story. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, well, any last thoughts, uh, Jake, as we wind up this, uh, this first episode of uh, 12 Days of Spawnmas? Well... Just not stand this book. I could at first start. I guess it. I guess it might be true that going forward, that that after, that some things will get fatigued later. Hence why some people start to lose interest in this series after a while. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. Um, you wonder how much of how much of one thing is is too much, uh, even when it's you know, McFarland art. And then certainly, you know, we talked about how it, it fell off at times here or there in terms of circulation. You got to remember McFarland was doing a lot of other stuff. You know, like I said, image comics was, was bursting onto the scene and they had so many opportunities, Hollywood and toys and merchandise and whatnot that they didn't really have all the time to spend at the drawing board. And so 
you know, ultimately as a business person, what you're always trying to do is generate passive income, right? Like that's the way to do it. You, you own something, it's the same concept of owning like commercial real estate. You own the real estate, but you don't have to manage it on a day-to-day -day basis. They, people pay the rent and it's passive income. You're not actually working toward it. But the thing is, the reason that Spawn Number One sold 1.7 million copies is because people were buying McFarlane art. And when McFarlane's not drawing it anymore, you know, maybe some people were happy he wasn't writing anymore, but now he's not writing it or drawing it. It's like, what am I, what am I paying for? You know, uh, even now, as you know, Rocky was saying at New York Comic Con, McFarlane's a draw. You know, people line up. People will pay money to have his autograph to have a chance to talk to him, have him sign their books and whatnot. So uh, when you take that, that draw away, um, especially for older fans who may have nostalgia, you, you know, you may be missing out. You may lose uh, out on sales numbers and whatnot. So uh, anyway, as we're wrapping up here, Rocky, anything else to add? Uh, no, I'm just, uh, I just, I'm, I got a new respect for Todd McFarlane. I actually, I don't, I don't remember the writing being as, as good this good and i don't mean to say it's exceptional but i'm just saying this actually doesn't this actually feels very entertaining to me like this actually it doesn't feel necessarily all that tropey and it the, the art's fantastic i enjoyed it. it this was a really nice trip down nostalgia lane for me and uh, i'm glad uh what a wonderful way to start off the 12 days of spawn miss man <laughs> thanks for having me on yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, everybody, thanks for joining us. As always, we appreciate the support. Uh, be sure you check out uh, all our other episodes uh, on the Comic Source. So just do a search for the Comic Source on your favorite podcasting app or uh, podcasting platform, Google, uh, Spotify, iTunes, whatever your favorite podcasting uh, platform is, and you'll find us there. If you're checking us out on the Comic Boom channel on YouTube, don't forget to be sure to subscribe to Rocky's channel. So you can check out all his content, read that notification bell, like this video, uh, and definitely subscribe so you don't miss out on any of his great videos. So uh, thanks to jo Jake, our co-host, for joining us and talking a little bit of Spawn. And uh, more Spawn to come tomorrow and for uh, all the days leading up to Christmas. So uh, happy spawn miss to everybody. Happy Christmas. Uh, Merry New Year. Hope everyone's having a joyous time uh, and getting to spend time with family. And be sure you tune in tomorrow for, uh, for more spawns. So thanks for listening uh, and checking us out as always. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.